welcome to the Atom Podcast. My name is Dorota Buschela and this is the place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 hours of Atem. So, for this 20th episode, we will cover the era of 5G DVBI. Let's start the engines! So, next uh, session... Uh, it will be about next generation TV with focus on 5G and DVBI. So glad to have on board for this uh, presentation two excellent speakers uh, from ATEM side, Mikael Rollet, our CTO, and our friend from Qualcomm, Thomas Stockhammer, Director of Technical Standards. I will be again your moderator for this session. I'm Pablo Rodriguez based in, in Spain, Director of Solution Engineering in, in ATEM. So, guys, I let you the floor. Let's get started with, with this session. So, thank you, Pablo, for introducing the, the session. So, uh, we will be discussing 5G and DVBI together with uh, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for joining. So, the we will have two different presentations, one from Thomas on TV services over 5G, and I will uh, then handle the, the next session on uh, 5G and DVBI in practice, what we have done today, uh, let's say, on CMAF and uh, on DVBI at DVB. So that, so that will be the two speakers. So Thomas is now joining with his camera. Uh, and uh, it will be moderated by uh, Pablo. So in the end, we will have some questions from the audience, I hope. So please view the Q&A uh, section at the bottom of your uh, Zoom. So you can ask uh, some questions to, uh, to Thomas and myself. So Thomas, I give you the control. Yes, let's see if this works. Not yet. Mm, but we can see your camera, Thomas. Yes, I know what I did wrong. I was in another meeting with my camera on. Ah, okay. Thank you, Pablo and uh, Mikael and colleagues from ATEM for inviting me and uh, organizing this great series of uh, presentations. I already heard from my colleagues in China that were present this morning that everything is great and working well. So thank you so much. Um, so let's start. Let me see. Uh, I'm not sure I can control this. It seems to be not. Maybe you can ask uh, on the... Did you receive? I, I send you the control right now. Request. Okay. Yeah. Now, maybe. Yes. yes. Here we go. It's working. Thank you. Great. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we all learning while we're doing online uh, conferences, but we will be very good after this pandemic is over. Uh, so the idea is here to present today, and I go back to my main slide again. I hope I can basically do this now, and then let's be serious. Uh, TV service over 5G, and I also bring in connection with DVB, and it's kind of uh, is the whole traditional world of the standards and uh, uh, deployments based on DVB and 5G. Are these competitors, or is this coming together? And I there's a very clear path how these two things fit together, and it's, it tries to attempt to be shown here. 
Um, so moving forward, what you would see today, uh, okay, it's, it's reacting slow. We need to, it's not perfect. Um, so I, I want to give you a quick idea on um, basically media evolution. That's really just the motivation. Why 5G is uh, so important because it has this global approach. And then there is uh, work happening in release 16 is basically what is the latest completed 5G release in 3GP and what was done there. And what is available from the standards and also how this migrates into commercial deployments. And then there's a release 17, which basically is um, happening as we speak and is looking into new aspects. So one of those is basically this uh, combining these uh, access delivery and then bringing in as a perspective from the, let's say, traditional uh, TV services, how DVBI fits into this. So I'm working in these standards organizations and trying to, to lead and participate, but um, among the colleagues from ATEM um, and many others who basically operate in this global organization, which probably is a very uh, important aspect. Okay, so TV evolution from vertical service. This is how I consumed media when I was young, and that's like 25 years ago. It's You had a, a verticals, uh, very dedicated access for all of these issues. Media was professionally produced. It was basically domestic. You could watch what you get at home. It was free to air. Um, so relatively straightforward. But if you go into the future and go into challenges of the broadcast to see, what well, you basically have, you have new media formats. And on the left hand side, you see a video just running. Um, I'm not sure how good it comes over through, through Zoom. But on the right hand side, you see basically that media nowadays is no longer this simple linear TV, there's a lot of components coming along with this, that a broadcaster, somebody providing TV services, needs to kind of integrate and deal with. So you have new formats, high resolution, UHD, 8K, 3D, uh, the, you have social interaction with the media, the media, the, the content is short and long form uh, news clips, um, it's on demand and live, um, it's maybe location dependent, um, you have global content, Security, we saw it before on the watermarking, is an important issue. Um, making the content available in time-shifted manner so you, uh, the, the, the consumer watches as you like. So you need to deal with all of these different challenges of new media formats, in, both in the, in the production um, as well as in the consumption. Um, another aspect, and I hope this moves forward now, Okay. Um, so it's a very, very huge issue. What we hear all the time is how can broadcasters, those who have traditional services, get access to this new device and form factors, right? Initially, TV set was the main uh, topic, but now you see obviously mobile devices, tablets is um, uh, something that is important for a long time um, going to automotive entertainment systems. But then also new devices, AR, new glasses. How how can you get there? And there's obviously two paths. Obviously, one is using the internet, right? Uh, and the second one is basically using uh, wireless technologies because all of those have wireless access technologies. And cellular and Wi-Fi technologies are important for this. And there's all the, the optimizations being done for um, being able to access these uh, devices. Um, so now you need to bring your content um, such that you can deliver it on these uh, type of uh, networks and so that's basically one of the challenges as well and the third one is the continuous issue that you uh, try to serve ma mass audience but the mass audience is also running away in this turn basically to other providers 
Um, and in this context, you need to basically take into account for sure the quality ambition that broadcasters have with distributing TV services, um, being cost conscious in this context. So it needs to scale. And the scaling is basically the issue as well, because if you broadcast to many people, the scalability, the, the distribution scalability is always a major effort. That's why broadcast, multicast always stays important, but also obviously scalability needs to come also for factors that where you have personalization, where you have time shifting and so on. So that's where CDN-based distribution is important. Well, there's a way to get there, right? So there's an approach for uh, media providers and broadcasters. I'm not sure this is globally accepted, but that's how we view it when we look into this bit from the 5G or 3GP perspective. We give you a platform that is an IP connected platform that is uniquely and ubiquitously accessible. And that's defined in standards organizations, so GP, 5G, um, there's uh, to some extent also uh, IEEE Wi-Fi uh, falling to the same uh, domain. And then you basically have global uh, platforms for the left-hand side, the production vertical. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but on the right-hand side of the distribution, basically, you have distribution technologies that are uh, agnostic to the service, right? There's core codecs, formats, presentations, and proper APIs. And there's global efforts on this one, like from the ITF, MPEG, uh, ITU, um, probably I should also mention AOM nowadays, doing this type of things. And then you go more into the service aspect. So you create a TV service or a content service using the underlying technology. So that's basically how you could view this also from a split from a standards organization. And that, for example, puts DVB now on top here, being much more centric on the service rather than basically necessarily doing the distribution by itself. Okay, um, so now what is 5G giving us? It's this global unified platform and basically what has been happening over the decades, there's these uh, leaps over 10 years and these leaps basically and always doesn't, don't necessarily come as a chunk, these are technology evolutions, but from going from 2T to 5G, basically 4G was really this mobile broadband and 5G is giving you new opportunities. One is the verticals and the other one is basically integrating more processing into the distribution, right? So the 4G is really a data pipe more or less. The 5G is basically the ability to add more functionalities to um, work with cloud computing and so on and so on. And secondly, giving more dedicated access also to certain verticals. Um, and uh, so there is this 5G vision that basically having the platform and the platform basically is for different uh, purposes from the public networks for extreme broadband, which you would see here, private networks. So you can set up private networks um, in order to use, uh, for example, your stadium production. Fixed wireless access is an important issue basically to replace uh, fixed access by wireless uh, factories, massive IoT, and so on. So this is this platform, and the platform is basically now open for verticals through different system and radio technologies. Um, it, it's globally available, and there's a global assignment of spectrum that basically makes it interesting. You see an overview here, just what's happening. There is uh, both license and unlicensed. There is also the sub six and the um, millimeter wave. All of these have slightly different flavors on how you can deploy the technology, but it's a global commitment that this technology can uh, develop. And basically that also gives you the economy of scale because it's all global. And we're not speaking about ideas. It's actually happening. So there's 140 operators deploying. There's 305 basically investing already, 500 million for smartphone. Now, um, 
connectivity. So it's just uh, accelerating globally very heavily. Um, this is a, another uh, outlook that basically saying what's happening in the future. Similar numbers. Uh, so we expect by 2024, 3.8 billion uh, smartphones have been shipped with 5G capabilities. Um, it's also, that's what I said, it's globally. And you see here where the operators globally deploy um, and they basically do both sub six and the millimeter wave as well. Um, I'm not spending more time on this one. This is more rollout details. You get the slides and you get it. You find that there is a, a technology available uh, that is developing that is, um, and that's, that's uh, an access technology throughout the world. Um, as Qualcomm, and this is my pitch slide for Qualcomm, so you would say, uh, you would see basically that uh, many of the uh, devices that are rolling out, they are supported by our uh, flagship Snapdragon processor um, and, uh, and, and front-end solutions. So we are heavily committed to support the industry in deploying and introducing 5G um, in, in all territories. Okay. So um, I'm gonna, I, I spoke about this, there's different design uh, ca capabilities here um, that are relevant from the high bands, the mid bands and the low bands. The low bands are, for example, interesting that you can dedicate this into the UHF spectrum for broadcast. Mid bands are the typical data connections. This is fixed wireless access, uh, the millimeter wave. So all of this is part of the discussions. Um, where do we stand, right? We, we're standing basically in this uh, expansion of release 17. Um, and we're in the middle here. And we, we continuously uh, developing new technologies in 5G. Um, and you would see that basically from this uh, initial setups that was targeting EMBB, uh, release 16 goes into um, new uh, environments, for example, uh, tested glasses, and then you have this broader spectrum that basically attaches all of these verticals that make use of this uh, 5G technologies. I'm not going to spend time on this, but if you have some time, you can look into a few of these uh, specific aspects on the slides later. Let's dive 5G for broadcast as a media service provider. What, what can we offer? What is there? Um, so first of all, um, and, uh, I, I'm always speaking internally if people talk about IoT and, and issues like this. Sorry, this is moving too fast. Uh, the main or the, the vast amount of content comes from uh, media, multimedia. Yeah, so and there's, there's a number on the previous slide, if I can get back, which says 75%. And there's these numbers from Cisco indexes and Ericsson Consumer Reports, which basically say multimedia is the, the bulk of the traffic. And it, it, will, it will grow because there is new formats, um, new, uh, uh, new services. So it's a continuous growth. So we need to address and obviously doing things from media basically helps um, to make this, um, these services more accessible um, to many people. And I think this is all the, the attempt we want to have, get services out to as many people as possible. And let me move forward on this light here. Okay, so what are we going to doing for production distribution of media in 5G? So there's a couple of aspects here. Uh, again, I'm reacting a bit slow. Let me press a few knobs here. Okay. 
so what I would like to uh, mention is I had this diagram before that basically we, uh, but there's the, the content production aspect and there is the content distribution. And Release 16 basically addressed two main features that I'm going to talk about. One is 5G broadcast, one is 5G media streaming. So this is very dedicated to broadcasting and I give an idea what this means. And 5G media streaming is uh, more or less putting a bit of an envelope around over the top distribution. There's some initial work on VR and XR um, on how to integrate into the 5G system. And then um, release 17, as we speak, there is uh, work happening on AV production, multicast supporting 5G, new video codecs, edge processing, 5G media stream. These are just examples. Um, and I have a, a, a bit of an overview later on what's happening in release 17. Okay, let's dive into the release 16 technologies, 5G broadcast and 5G media streaming. Uh, so here's just an overview. We consider that 5G broadcast basically delivers new values to the ecosystem. And what we're trying to basically do is to uh, provide this broadcast functionality as part of 5G um, in order to um, give massive scale to those who have to distribute uh, content, linear content to massive audiences. It's obviously typically the linear TV, terrestrial broadcast. But um, that could also be automotive centrics and so on and so on. But by, by doing so, you also basically get integrated into this new formats. And whether you broadcast VRXR is not a question that we need to answer now. But if the formats get popular, maybe. But um, broadcast is just a component of the overall delivery system. Um, okay, so. Um, there is basically an evolution and 5G broadcast is uh, found, founded on EMBMS and I will give you a bit more insight in the upcoming slide. But th this is a general technology uh, introduction on 5G broadcast and why broadcast is attempted because there is a desire um, of the, the content distribution world, also those who have assets such as, such as Spectrum to basically not only target rooftop reception, but also get into mobile devices within the spectrum that is available to them. So UHF spectrum, um, and then this is uh, globally available. There's some slight differences, for example, in channel bandwidth allocations and so on and so on. But generally, um, there is a globally a spectrum in the UHF band that is uh, used today for rooftop distribution, but the there was always the idea, get, can we get to mobile phones? And initial attempts, uh, remember DVDH and, and Qualcomm with our great success of media flow, um, this all kind of failed. And one of the reasons is to get basically a new modems into these uh, main, uh, mainstream devices is very, very difficult. So the approach that is taken here is different in a way that <clears throat> the broadcast functionality comes harder compatible with cellular modems. So it's fully compatible with what you have in cellular and you don't need additional silicon. So basically from an implementation integration point of view, there's no new area, no new uh, uh, design necessary. Um, it's basically more or less just an, a firmware update to use existing 3GP technologies um, and the modem functionalities for broadcast distribution. And there has been the extensions being done now over the uh, last couple of releases in order to allow distribution from, uh, from not only cellular networks, but also from high power, high tower networks. 
And so that allows now that you can have a standalone operation of a broadcast network without need supporting of a unicast network. Uh, but you can obviously combine and integrate this. So there is nothing preventing this, but basically from us, you can have a standalone service. And what it was done, the 3GP is a complex set of hundreds of specification that we developed a single spec that is a profile of um, documenting um, a 5G broadcast system. And it's available through the Etsy TS103 720. And we are in the process of making this an official broadcast system in the ITUR. Uh, so the EBU is working on that part. I'm conscious of time. Um, so this is a bit of a history. And what I would just want to point to, MBMS exists for a long time. So broadcasting or multicasting in 3GP systems. It has been mildly successful, but there was always questions on uh, how much this is related to the content provider. In release 14 and 16, based on requirements being provided by uh, broadcasters, what was done to create a standalone broadcast system. It basically is has similar capabilities as what you would get from a DBT or an ATSC system, but it's based on the 3GP silicon and ecosystem, right? So it's not creating a new modem. It's really just adapting the existing uh, modem functionalities to allow broadcast reception. This is an overview on how this is done. And basically, there's radio access enhancement system uh, access enhancement, and that has been completed in two releases, 14 and 16. Um, there's also in between and certain things happen. And let me highlight this on, on these pieces. Um, so one is basically supporting uh, high power, high tower, large intersite distances. But this requires larger cyclic prefixes. So that was added here. And then basically uh, adding more broadcast capacity. So until before, only 60% could be dedicated to MBMS. Now you can do 100% of the spectrum. Um, you can basically do both mobile as well as rooftop reception. And then there is also a certain efficiency enhancement to basically remove all unicast aspects from the radio subframes. On the system layer, a very important step, which might sound simple, is basically allowing 3GP service access without a SIM card. So basically, this was a, a huge discussion because the SIM is the, the holy grail of the operator. So basically, that allows to have a SIMless reception for receive-only services. So that's what you use today. We also committed to unify the protocol stack against uh, what is uh, HLS and DASH for distribution, but for then you have the main content formats being CMAF. And we have developed standardized interfaces, both on the network as well as on the client side in order to simplify the access uh, or to, to, the, to the distribution. Um, this is important from both ends for app integration on devices as well as for uh, service provision. And then you can share the broadcast distribution multiple operators uh, to do this commonly. So this just also speaks into the ability of getting more scalability. Okay, so this is this uh, basic idea, and I'm gonna go a bit quicker now because I wanna focus also on a few other aspects. Um, I, I leave you the slides, you can dive into this, I'm open for questions here. There's basically an overview on how the uh, radio system works, um, the waveforms, and then there is another aspect, which is how the user services are set up. Uh, very briefly, user services are set up in a way that you have a service announcement that is basically telling you where do you find the services and what services are available? And then you have different ways to distribute content through broadcast. One is, or there's two ways to basically distribute IP, uh, native IP. So that's more for IPTV, or if you would have an ABR multicast IB, but then you can also go on a higher level 
where you do carouseling or segment streaming. Segment streaming is basically distributing Dash HLS content. The delivery system is completely agnostic to codex formats and the TV service metadata. And basically, the, the basic idea is you can run any IP-based TV service on top of uh, 3GP. And that could be, for example, DVBI or the ATSC on top service layer, right? So um, that, that, that is all functionalities. Um, there's also, by 5G broadcast, you'd be basically, and that's more a summary slide to this one, you're really prepared for the future in a way that you can do rooftop mobile and vehicle reception with one system. Um, you, you basically can integrate it, existing and future services. You can do hybrid, that's pointed here, right? Services that basically combine broadcast and unicast. And there is a couple of ways to do this. Um, existing and future codecs, existing and future formats. So it's not bounded to any of this. It's really serving as a distribution mean and not as a vertical service. Okay, 5G media streaming. So what we basically uh, addressed in release 16 here is to move from the LTEPC, the enhanced packet core bit pipe, um, and providing the ability that there are standardized means for collaboration models between the MNL and a content service provider uh, to monetize video multimedia traffic and 5G and sharing revenue. So, and what are the challenges that are faced? So first of all, what we're seeing is the content gets higher quality. You're not talking about SD quality, lowest quality, on mobile, you want to get at least HD, there are environments where you even want to go higher. Um, also, what is known that if there are problems with content, one, very often that is associated to the operator. So the operator really wants to make sure that video content looks good. However, there's little control for, from over the top because it's encrypted in HTTPS. So issues like deep packet inspections are critical uh, and no longer working. Um, there's data caps that basically, at least in some countries, basically makes it hard you have new formats, codex experience coming in, no, and new verticals such as TV. So addressing all of this basically warrants to open up um, and, and, and ask, ask for these collaboration models. And the collaboration models should be active and not like deep packet inspection and being uh, passive. So that's the idea. Um, 5G media stream was developed. There's three specs for this. There's an architecture and two format specs here. And the basic ideas are that you uh, take existing content, let's say dash HLS uh, type of distribution, uh, and that's basically done here, and basically do a media distribution, but you uh, uh, provide um, standardized functionalities for content interest and provisioning, as well as for the ability that the client is aware of supporting the delivery. But the basic idea is not to revolutionize the media distribution, but to assist media distribution as it's done today in the background, right? And so what we basically took on, we took what is used today, HDB CDN-based distribution is used today. I have an old bit moving developer report where you see that basically streaming today is based on HLS dash and CMAF. So everything is segmented content distribution. That's the way how you do it. And it's now not uh, additionally doing this, that basically just, um, integrating this framework and supporting this distribution um, in, a, in, a, in a more optimized way uh, over 5G, right? So this is how HTTP CDN-based streaming works. It has all of the advantages of scalability through CDNs. There's also the multi-DRM aspects. So uh, I, I expect people are familiar with the concepts. Um, so, 
A commitment from 3GP in the SPACs is to basically, we use CMF as the content format. We also have Dash as basically the standardized distribution format. But by having, being into this context, HLS is very open. And so the benefit of CMF is that you distribute content once, right? So the, the scale of the content distribution, CDNs, broadcast or multicast through CMF allows you to address at the same time multiple clients, clients running on browsers, clients running on standalone integrated ones and so on and so on. So that's the promise of CMF and that's the benefit. There is obviously an execution path for this that takes some time, but uh, I believe the industry is heavily working towards this in making this a reality with all of the other flavors of CMF that uh, come to play. So 3GP basically provides now an overview of uh, integrating, for example, into this 5G system uh, servers for uh, manifests and content, but it also provides session handling that basically allows you to communicate with the player for specific notifications and so on and so on in order to support delivery. For example, if you observe buffer on the runs, you could inform this handler to basically give me a boost of data. There, there is a couple of aspects and these are all based on APIs communication and then communicating with the network to providing additional functionalities. There's also support for codecs and APIs here uh, on the right-hand side. And we define baseline codecs and 3GPP, but at the same time, the framework is not limited to the 3GPP codecs. It's just that we have a very clear recommendations for codecs to be supported. Uh, codecs in the context of CMF, then supported through media profiles. Uh, examples which are necessary, low latency distribution is an important issue. So there's a couple of ways here. This is coming from CMF that allows TV distribution over unicast. Uh, people are familiar with this. And I believe uh, also later we get a bit of an overview from Mikkel on that topic. Uh, basic idea is to use trunk-based distribution. And you see it here in this nice demo slide, uh, which would show that basically you can distribute chunks much quicker through the CDN than you would do full segments. And that gives you this latency advantage. What is simple here on this conceptual diagram obviously requires both spec work as well as end-to-end uh, -end interop because making uh, this chunking work end-to-end -end is, a, is a tricky issue. And also that's where you, for example, need more quality control because the latency gets more as you have less buffering at the receiving device, uh, which needs to be ensured. Another promise from CMF and the context of doing this maybe also in 3GP networks where you can do um, revenue sharing is the idea that um, you you have a well-defined uh, content for where you can do ad insertion. And so uh, one of the, the important aspects that you can independently generate content, main content and add content, and can combine this and splice it together such that there's a seamless experience. And that is for ad insertion, it could also be for other splicing purposes. So CMF gives you a promise for this and there's also a collaboration opportunities happening uh, basically, for example, an operator could do specific targeted ad insertion dependent on regions, depending on subscription models and so on and so on. Okay. Um, so this is the value-added services that are documented here. So the basic idea of 5G is to have a telco CDN, the MNO access a distributed CDN. You uh, take into a content device um, and that is an awareness into the streaming. Um, and there is a, a very interesting technology developed by T-Mobile on Binge On. And basically, Binge On has been picked up here, and the zero rating policy has been extended. 
uh, in 5G media streaming for more flexibility to allow different charging policies and dynamic rules on how to do this. So I, I don't have the time to go into the details, but those interested um, can basically maybe look a bit more through what pinch on is and what was extended here. I'm just giving you a bit of a workflow diagram that gives you an idea on how this is happening. It's basically the ability that you can set up from the content provisioning different uh, subscriber levels. And these subscriber levels are then supported by different policies on the distribution. And depending on the device capabilities, subscription models that you uh, negotiate with the application, you pick certain content and that content is then supported through the policies through the network. So you get your QS, you might not be charged for your SD content, but you might be charged for your HD content um, and so on and so on. So this framework is set up um, and I, I believe that is a, a good understanding of how existing distribution can be improved through 5G media streaming. Um, this explains a bit this different ways how you do it. For example, we're making use of the slice functionalities in 5G media streaming or QS for those um, there's uh, different ways to do this and uh, how exactly this is executed through service templates and so on. So I invite you to uh, check through the slides um, and if you have questions, come back to me. So quick, uh, looking at release 17, um, I don't know how I'm doing on time. Uh, Michael, uh, maybe you give me a five minute warning or maybe I'm already passing. <coughs> no, that's okay, Thomas, you can continue. I, I will arrange them. You still have a... Thank you. Okay. So release 17, we're in the middle of the release 17. So release 16 was about, uh, one aspect was 5G media stream, the other one was the terrestrial broadcast. That's what you would find here. So broadcast only. So there is now an effort in um, 5G to integrate multicast natively into 5G system distribution. Um, and that is again targeted more towards an operator internal operation. Uh, where you can um, basically dynamically switch between point-to-point -point and point-to-multipoint uh, on the radio and distribute uh, multicast traffic like this. And it's targeting different applications from media delivery, but also IoT multicast, uh, V2X delivery, and so on and so on. What's happening right now, so this is a CGP architecture diagram. It looks... Uh, ugly and it's uh, very hard to understand. There's a lot of acronyms there. Uh, and if you ask me, I'm not sure I know everything, but it's, this is how these architectures look like. And that's where you then argue for hours in 3GP meetings, whether you do a, a dashed or a dotted line or a, and if you call this uh, NVSFU or NVSFP. So this is standards work. But we are uh, arguing like this. And what you basically see here, there's a transport, which is the multicast capability. And there's a service and application. So the again, this is the platform provided by the uh, by the operator giving multicast access. And now you have external ability to make use of this. And there is a, a throughout 3GP working groups, different things happening to support multicast services. This is one on the RAN switching between point to point and point to multipoint. Um, basically, defining multipoint in general, defining something like uh, as user service environment. Um, there is only SCPTM right now, so single cell. There is no SFMs or no large scale, uh, which is very different to uh, the release 16, which is a large scale SFN. And then there is basically delivering service layer aspects, APIs, and clients. And the work is happening in different groups. As I say, I'm working in the media group. 
and we're doing a look, looking at the service layer aspects for these uh, new technologies as we speak. Um, okay, so there's two deployment options. I want to quickly mention this. So one is that um, you as an application provider basically provide content to the 5G systems, let's say dash streams, HLS streams, and you leave it up to the operator to scale and distribute this. And the operator can use 5G media streaming unicast, or it could basically convert the content to multicast. So that would be transparent for to the application, um, both from the interest as well as on the client side. And we have this functionality already supported in MBMS. It's just now putting this into the 5G context. So that's one. And it, the, it's only the MNU doing the capacity enhancement, basically, for the app provider. There might be some uh, agreements whether this can be multicast or not, but generally the idea is to abstract the complexity of multicast distribution to the application provider. In a second deployment scenario is you basically open up the APIs for different distribution means to the application provider, and you basically open up a broadcast pipe, a multicast pipe, and a unicast pipe, and the application provider makes use of this and creates applications to access this. Um, so now it's more the moderator of the application to pick and choose the right delivery means. So do I do uh, unicast only? Do I do multicast? Do I do broadcast? It depends also on device capabilities and so on. So, on. so th these are these two options. Likely both are supported. Uh, to what extent it relates to how people deploy it it's to be foreseen. And we are still in the uh, detailed discussion phase on uh, definitions. Hybrid services, there's a list of what you can do with hybrid. Hybrid is a, is a catch-all word, but hybrid, and when you really want to implement this, it gets interesting and you need to have support. One of the benefits of hybrid is if you all commit to distribute the same formats, CMF, over all distribution means, you can easily transfer between these different distribution means. Maybe because it's forced by the content broadcast, but go for uh, ads to unicast, or I get my other language of a unicast, um, or I have uh, reception problems on broadcast, I switch to unicast. So there is different ways, or I use unicast just for the startup, for quick startup. So there's a lot of opportunities once you basically go into this common uh, formats um, and, and basically having different dis and, and treating distribution and, and service independently. We also looking now optimizing towards 5G for new experience. And what is happening is to integrate new form factors and new services. And um, the glass is one of these topics. And the glass is very interesting because it's a completely new device type and it has new requirements. Power consumption um, is one of the most challenging ones here. And that means that very often in this case, you have limited processing power here. And 5G gives you the idea to do uh, migrate processing to the edge. And that's something where a lot of traffic is also expected to happen because the edge does a rendering towards the video. And I talk with my attempt colleagues if they're already in this business and they told me, I don't tell you, maybe, maybe Michael says something about this. Um, but that, there is basically system enhancements happening here to support this type of use cases that includes edge processing, traffic awareness, uh, knowing XR. We're talking about very low latencies. If you're moving and you want to register your uh, device against the environment, you have at most uh, uh, 50 milliseconds latency requirements or even lower. 
So that's basically the cases here. So accelerating and speeding up. I just want to give one quick outlook on how DVB comes into play. So um, in I was at the DVB World, a nice conference, uh, especially if it happens face-to-face. -face. Um, there was a discussion about DVB great for broadcast services, but there's nothing in the wild west of the internet. And um, uh, Andy Gard, back then, uh, CTO of Red Bull Media House, basically uh, challenged this a bit. And so in DVB, we took this on, and there were the DVBA specifications developed, basically to create an internet-centric service layer that's basically with a service layer declaring finding services, you are get basically DVB dash with low latency as a TV service, and you get the codex target assertion. That's all part of this DVBI package. And um, what we're looking right now is to make DVBI a service layer for 5G, not the one and only service layer, but something that you can basically get your DVB service offering with uh, the same uh, channel lineups with all the opportunities on top of 5G. And there's an ongoing commercial uh, requirements work which looks into different use cases and to be developing basically the commercial requirements with the expectation that there is a, an adaptation work between DVBI and 5G. We don't expect a lot of work to be done, but generally um, that's happening. And this is basically a bit of a larger picture. You can digest it for yourself um, on that one. And very quickly, just going beyond release 16 and 17, it should say, I talked about the intelligence of the edge, uh, and one of the aspects that is newly coming is the um, is AI deep learning, where again, the edge is supporting uh, a moving customer in identifying uh, the environment, getting cognitive. And what sounds very abstract requires a lot of data exchange, right? Um, and a lot of functionality and splitting of functionalities across edge and the device. So this is the promise of 5G that you can have on device and edge processing being combined and being highly connected. And while moving forward, basically, we see this gradual merging of roles with new interface opportunities, new device types where the physical world, the virtual world, and the, the digital world comes together, right? And that creates new human interfaces. And this is not like a revolution. These are evolutionary steps where technology advances in different domains support these transitions. And it's uh, us, the engineers, providing the platforms and the, the creatives using these platforms to develop the new applications. Um, that all leads us into this 5G, which has a strong momentum. And we continued working in 5G for uh, another couple of releases. There will be a time when this new release, maybe 2021, will then be called 6G, but that is still probably a couple of years ahead. So there's a lot of things in the pipeline for 5G, but again, we are talking about a continuous evolution. And that's it. Thank you. I hand back to Michael. Thank you, <coughs> Thank you Thomas. Oh, I killed. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> So I will continue the discussion with uh, some uh, some 5G and DVBI in practice, some some part of it, not all of them, but uh, part of the 5G media streaming that what we are doing at ATEM, and also the, the premises of what we were doing with DVBI, uh, like what uh, Thomas was saying.
So just to, to give back a, a bit of uh, information about what we are doing. So before 2020, we were mainly working on broadcast or having a, a lot of interaction with broadcast, ATSC, ITU, DVB, and MPEG. Uh, and after 2020, we are moving a lot to, uh, let's say, to CMAF-based uh, uh, protocols where, where it is used in various uh, standardization activities and also forums. One, one that is in between the two is ATSC that was starting to move uh, towards this uh, native IP over the broadcast, which is quite interesting as well for, for us. And we are having quite success there, so that's uh, something that is quite interesting. So you are moving my slide, uh, Thomas. <laughs> uh, it's because of the oh, you stop sharing now. Okay, I don't touch my screen. Uh, no, no, sorry, Michael. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so two two big organizations we are part of are the Alliance for Open Media and also MPEG that are standardizing not only codecs at MPEG. So it's quite important also to notice that there are also people that are working on transport mechanism like CMAF. So CMAF is coming from MPEG and then used by other forums like Dash Industry Forum or CMAF uh, industry forum. Something that we like at ATEM is to have the best quality of experience, and we believe 5G can be part of this ecosystem. So when we say best quality of experience is 4K HDR, next generation audio is also part of, uh, let's say, our mandate. And then <coughs> what we are working on is on dynamic ad insertion. So uh, interactive content is quite important. Something that is coming from, uh, let's say, ATSC Fludato is the, the fact that they are using a web browser for, for displaying the content into the TV, which is also quite important. So they have access to HTML5 and all the things that are coming from, uh, from, the, from the web browser. So it's quite interesting in the end that what you are consuming is not only coming from, let's say, traditional TV, but it's more and more... Uh, uh, internet browser that you have in um, that you are not seeing in the end, but uh, that's quite important to notice. So what we are providing is Titan for the encoding, just in time packaging for the uh, for the for the packaging for various uh, let's say packaging. We still have many. Uh, we are reducing with CMAF, but there are still uh, many of them at the moment. And we can provide cloud DVR on our side and then go to the CDN. So I, I was willing to speak about, about what we are doing on ultra low latency or, or low latency, especially uh, with the various uh, products that we have. So Titan, Nialai for the packaging and NIACDN for the, for the CDN and what we can achieve today. And I will come back to this a bit later. So the, let's say the, today we have, uh, let's say less than five seconds end to end with a traditional, let's say, broadcast encoder or quality of broadcast till the display. So we, we use that and the goal of ATAM is really to, be, to get the, the best quality of experience, so to have the better quality for the video, the better quality for the audio. Uh, and for that, we are working with various partners. Uh, Qualcomm was one of them for the HDR at some point, Technicolor also, Samsung, 
uh, and we are working with Dolby and Franofer for the next-gen next audio. A platform that is good to use at some point is the Apple platform because they, they are promoting in general uh, also their best quality of experience for the end user with HDR and NGA at the same time. Uh, so quick on, uh, on the interoperability. So low latency dash with CMAF, uh, they, they are, let's say, big names that are supporting it with various players. And uh, there has been a spec last year uh, of interoperability at uh, Dash Industry Forum that was uh, promoted in, uh, in April, April, May, uh, with the goal of having some open source implementation end-to-end. Uh, -end. And uh, from that, we tested with various players and we have many, let's say, the ecosystem is ready to support it. On the low latency HLS, I would say there is less uh, interoperability at the moment. What we are seeing at the moment is uh, let's say the part mode or index mode supported by various people. Uh, when you want to really reduce the burden on the CDN, then you may want to move to byte range and then there are less people supporting it at the moment. There is a spec on going at the CMAF industry forum for that. So uh, on the DVBI client, like what's was pointed by Thomas, so the idea is to be able to, uh, to get the information from, let's say, an OTT client that is capable of uh, doing the, the service discovery. And this particular service discovery uh, will be uh, either broadcast or broadband channels. And from that, then you can discover the number of channels. So you can give to this particular client uh, the channels that you will be able to, to discover. Uh, so this is a, a DVB specification, uh, and it's uh, part uh, yes, of the VI. So I, I, I will give you a, a small demo that what we are doing. So we were working with Viasa uh, and also on-screen publishing for this particular demo to promote uh, various interoperability with uh, various people. What we did also is to, uh, to provide some information on where we are with broadcast compared to where we are with broadband, uh, which is quite important in the end, uh, because maybe some of you are thinking that we are still behind uh, with the broadband, uh, behind the broadcast. So I took here some, some photos. What you have on the, on the left is uh, the IRD, so the, the professional decoder that we are providing for, uh, for uh, contribution. Uh, so it's a FPGA-based decoder that we are putting here. So you have the time of, uh, of the display. On the right side, you have at the top uh, a player from Akamai, where you will see the, at the bottom the time of when it is able to display this content, and the time of today is uh, at the bottom of this uh, of this page. So, if we compare the, the times in between uh, the two uh, the two ones, so you are, you you are having the time of uh, on the video on the broadcast is two seconds. Uh, behind the, the true time, so it was uh, it was produced two seconds before, and then on the OTT side, what we are having is even less. So we are, we are able to have less for the for the OTT than for the uh, for the OTA uh, using MPEG 2TS compared to OTT. 
something that I have to say on this diagram is that uh, everything was on premises for the MPEG 2TS. While we were using an origin server and a CDN uh, that was uh, in Paris, so that was not located at the same place than the, the rest of the equipment. So we were going to the origin that was in Paris, then to the CDN and coming back to the, uh, the on-prem. So uh, saying that, that uh, the CDN and the origin was not taking any time at this, uh, on, on this uh, diagram flow. Yeah, this is a demo of uh, DVBI content showcasing uh, on various uh, screens what we what we were de demoing at uh, at DVB during the DVB demo uh, last year. Uh, so this is what we were demoing during this uh, this event with various uh, players. So one from Bio at the at the center, uh, and uh, others coming from on screen uh, at the right and the on the left. To change. Oops, sorry. And if you look at something, an interesting feature from uh, from the uh, from CMAF is that you can accelerate or decelerate a bit uh, the the playing. So if you are not at the edge, you have the ability with CMAF. Uh, to smoothly accelerate, so you are not uh, you are not missing anything from the live, which is a feature that is quite important in the end. So, uh, and the acceleration is not something that you have an issue with. So you may have a bit of glitches with the audio because it's accelerating a bit, but you it's not something that uh, that is raising something. Uh, to you, so that in the end, if you are in a football match, you are still able to go to, to to see the live, and if possible, to uh, to catch the the edge, which is quite important in the end, so that you are not having the 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 goal after the others, and you you will be able to have it uh, on time. So uh, I, I was willing to point also some other uh, activities around. Uh, uh, Around, <laughs> uh, around EVB, so the, so, uh, and around the, uh, multicast ABR. So ATSC, I would say, is, uh, put, is, uh, is, uh, is having the premises for, for multicast ABR at some point. So this is the first implementation, I would say, or the, the big implementation that we're having since we have a lot of, uh, uh, equipment that are supporting it. In ATSC, with CTA providing some test streams, so we have uh, LG, Sony, and other big names that are supporting this route implementation uh, uh, and, and and widely uh, on 5G, like pointed out by by uh, Thomas. So today we have DVBI and CMAF that has been pushed quite a lot as the main uh, equip uh, let's say uh, standard. To, to, to provide some, some feature to the, to this particular industry. And there is another standard that we are uh, seeing happening that is a DVB multicast ABR that can be used also to, uh, to multicast or broadcast the content. So there are ongoing efforts. There is also an open source implementation on DVB multicast ABR that is quite important because uh, that's also how we will get uh, more and more uh, 
people involved in uh, multicast ABR and subpoint is that uh, with open source implementation, then you have the ability to, uh, to promote that to various people, to do some demos and also to explain to various people with this open source implementation that it can be implemented by the, by the, the, the let's say by various people, STB, uh, TV manufacturer and so on. And CMAF, uh, we also have VVC working today. So CMAF is already working with VVC. So we did a first demo uh, uh, last year uh, with VVC, including CMAF. Uh, so, uh, so VVC is already including into CMAF. So if you have any questions, I let Pablo ask some. If okay. any. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Mikael. Yes, we got a couple of questions. Uh, okay, so first, uh, first one. Um, when do you foresee that DBB can be deployed and used uh, in production? Um, Mikael, you want to take this one or maybe Thomas? Thomas, you are mute. This is still for you. <laughs> so, so for, for DVBI, it's a, it's a bit hard, but we are seeing a lot of traction from various people. Uh, it has been included into the, the Italian specification as, a, as something mandatory for, uh, for their T2 deployments. Uh, so that's uh, at least the first place where we are seeing DVBI uh, uh, in, in their ecosystem. So in, in, in this case, this is to combine broadcast and broadband, so broadband channels and, uh, and broadcast channels. Uh, in France, not yet. Uh, I don't know if Thomas, you have more uh, on it. No, they, I, I'm aware of the Italian case as well. I mean, again, what we do at DVBI, uh, great efforts by DVB, uh, Emily is on the call, to basically support also open source development reference implementations. Um, it also comes together with an HPTV app integration. So there's a lot of efforts to not make these things unaccessible. It's something that gradually gets into the system. It's not this revolutionary approach anymore where you say there's this zero one switch on uh, analog to digital switch. Over. We, this is technology that gradually happen. So that's maybe you don't see this huge press releases anymore. Um, so I, I think it's happening, uh, but there's, what you need is this support through reference tools. And uh, you pointed to this already, Mikael. I think this is a very important aspect. And what about 5G broadcasts? When and especially where do you foresee yeah. this happening first? That's actually a bit of a different one because that exactly is a bit more this switch on off, right? So uh, because what you obviously have, these things need scale. So we need devices uh, and devices need to be available in scale. So um, th there is, there, there's, I think there's opportunities and the, the opportunities need to um, basically be consolidated and the market needs to develop. There's a huge China opportunity. There is um, opportunities in Europe we don't have a deployment announced at that point in time, but we also want to point to that basically this technology is new. It's not part of the chipsets yet. So there's a lot of efforts by uh, companies, but also by organizations, for example, pointing to 5G Mac, who try to bring this 
to the broadcasters that they can basically work and operate with this. I cannot give you any commercial deployment roadmap, but there is clear signs that there is a, a broad support of at least making this a clear option in, in, in roadmaps. And then the commercial aspects need to happen, right? So these discussions are happening in the background as we speak, but um, there is nothing to be announced. Just to just to go in this direction, so there is a future future forum in uh, in China that is uh, looking into this. Uh, Qualcomm and Atem are part of this forum, and uh, Z, with ZT as well that was previously talking talking uh, in the twenty four hours. And we are also members together with with Qualcomm of this five uh, G Mag organization, uh, where they are. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's really broadcaster oriented in this organization at the moment. So that's really broadcaster that are looking into it. Okay, well, so I think we are we are done with this session. Thanks again, Mikael and Thomas, for your great presentation. So I would like to thank Thomas for uh, for joining the the session. Really Thanks, Tim. The great, great, uh, great effort. Much appreciated. Uh, keep it going. So excellent. Thank you so much. I need to run to the hairdresser now, as you see. I opened <laughs> up this very important point. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Bye, bye, good guys. Good and good haircuts. Then, bye. Now we are at the end of the twentieth podcast. If you want to find out more. You can go to the atem.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover OTT over satellite with multicast ABR. Don't miss out! Mm -hmm.